Before we get started, Dead and Married would like to thank those very close to our Dead Black Hearts, our patrons. Thank you to William Rush, Karima Rhodes, my best friend and fellow Tom Atkins lover, Gary Horton, Carissa. Jonathan says thank you. Dr. Sexy himself, Kent Morton. Oh yeah. Kate Lamp, Travis's cowgirl, Lala Thomas. Hey girl. And last but certainly not least, our friends over at the Podmortem Podcast. You can also check out their very own show every Monday on all major platforms. And now, on with the show. Warning, the following show features spoilers and opinions performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. Accordingly, Dead and Married and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any opinion or fuckery performed on this show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm Travis. And I'm Ashley. And this week, we've got another Easter egg. Yes, this is for our good friend Kate in Australia, who we love so much. And I knew of exactly two movies that she really liked and I ultimately decided to go with Saw because I know how much she loves it and I happen to love it too so I'm gonna gonna be doing something I'm a little surprised to be doing today but that'll have to wait till ratings time okay well that's weird So, this was made in 2004, and the ratings on this sort of surprised me. So, 2004, that means it's older than our oldest child at this point. Yes. Which is just mind-boggling to me. Yeah. So, it's a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb. Metascore is a 46. I'm having another thought. Rotten Tomatoes is 50%. Wow. That, well, there's I, no accounting for taste, I but... I really expected it to be higher. But, okay, so not only is it older than our children, or older than Aiden, but... But this came out the year we got married. Yeah. So it is as old as you and I are. Yes. So that's kind of strange. That means if the Saw franchise ever quits, we should probably be worried. (laughs) Huh. I hadn't really thought about it like that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I used to make the same I joke did, about the Fast and Furious franchise. I did sign up for like a 25-year option, so <laughs> I guess they've got a couple more years to, right. to make some more movies. Anyway. So, sorry. 50%. That's bullshit. Yeah. I'll really, stop interrupting you now. No, no, no. That, that's basically it. I just expected it to be a lot higher than that. Uh, at least this first one, for sure. Yeah. So, it was... Written by Lee Winnell and James Wan, mm-hmm. which I think the story was Winnell's first, right? Or did they co-write it? They're listed as co-writing it, but the short film is Winnell's, right? Well, as far as I know, in the film, too, if you're watching the film, it says written by Lee Winnell. I right. don't recall it saying that it was written by yeah, James Wan. No, no, but I could be wrong here, about that. They're both listed with writing credits. Yeah. Uh, and directed by James Wan. Yeah. First first feature film in, holy shit, like, you know, we we talk about filmmaking like um, Ari Aster, you know, making something like Hereditary for their f- first film. But this this is another one. And I, and I know before somebody clutches their pearls or rolls their eyes or whatever, I understand that Saw is not in the same league as Hereditary, but I can still acknowledge that for a first-time filmmaker, this is... This was extremely well done and written. Like that, it's yeah. Well, I'm I think so. It's one, it was one point two million dollar budget, roughly. Mm-hmm. Opening weekend, they made about eighteen million of that. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. Their, their gross for U.S. and Canada is fifty six million. Yeah, that's and they like spawned, uh, what seven sequels so far, yeah. or something like that. That's like some John Carpenter level shit. That's, and the thing is, is 
Halloween wasn't even John Carpenter's first film. Right. I guess so, that's kind of where I was going with that. The last time a new movie kicked out and then it just spawned sequel after sequel after sequel. You're looking at what? Halloween? Friday the 13th? Oh, I don't know for sure, but... But I mean, those were the ones that I can think of off the top of my head way back there in the 80s. Yeah. Were the last ones to just kick off a, a huge string of sequels. Right. And, you know, for as much grief as this franchise has gotten over the years, you know, everybody wants to give it credit for launching uh, torture porn, which I hate that fucking phrase. Um, I don't think that that was their intention. I don't think that that title has been given to them fairly because they they could not have foreseen that the, it was going to spawn what it did. And the thing is, is that it must be, I mean, the entire franchise must be good if people are continuing to talk about it 20 years later. Right. And I guess to be fair to Winnell and Juan, they didn't have anything to do with the second one, did they? Uh, Lee did still write the second one. So, and the two of them have gone on to produce the entire series. Right. right. But as far as being hands-on together at the same time, uh, this was... I think they've of... given some input through yeah, the years. Yeah, but I mean, they kind of turned it all over to Darren Lynn Bowsman, didn't they? Or well... Did he, do, he did a couple of them? He only did a few of all them. All I'm saying is, is that the film's clearly changed after this first one. Oh yeah 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 but so did their level of involvement with it right so as they i guess kind of backed away it did kind of go in a different direction mm -hmm. and i don't know we talked about it before i think if they had made this first one and then just said that's all that would have been okay too yeah this this is one of those where if they had stopped right here you would have just went wow that was a really fucked up movie and it might have been well i don't know maybe that's not fair for someone like me, I would have it would have gone on to live on as wow, that's a really fucked up movie. But on the other hand, I could see where if they had just quit, that maybe it would have gotten lost in the shuffle over time. I think it going on and just becoming bigger and bigger and bigger over the course of a couple of decades is what has caused it to live in infamy. Well, yeah, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that, uh, ooh, man, somebody's going to freak out about this. <laughs> kind of like Halloween. The further Carpenter got from the franchise, the further it got away from its original material. Right. Until you get... Get to the point where really just the title character is the only thing that has anything to do with the original mm -hmm. and i think by the time you get to the end of the saw franchise you're kind of in the same place yeah i would agree with that so, as much as i love the franchise i mean yeah i this is one of my favorites like i i would put this over some other well-loved franchises as a matter yeah. of fact yeah and the other thing is i think the first one seems like it was almost written to not have sequels, right? Because there are there are a few holes. It does have a couple of holes, things that don't really make sense. But they make even less sense when they did the sequels and they had to try to write those out. Right. And so it makes me wonder, was this originally intended to be a standalone without a sequel? Yes, I think so. And that's the reason that the more they push forward with it anyway, the more problematic things become, I guess. I, th I think so. They, uh, I would say that the writers in subsequent films definitely wrote wrote themselves into a corner yeah. because, and, and, and now that we are talking about this one, I kind of am a little bit jazzed at the notion of continuing to cover these just because I, as many problems as the franchise has, it's still one of my favorite stories in general going, not lumping Jigsaw and Spiral into this category. 
I think that those initial first seven films are, it's a terrific story. I love it. It's like this big, epic, dramatic, <laughs> long story. And I, just, I love it for that reason. Yeah, well, you're, I guess you're not alone in that, but you don't have a bunch of people with you on that. Because we watched some of the reviews on this and they're not all favorable. Some of them are downright aggressive. Well, one of them we watched was <laughs> aggressive. I just, I don't know. I, they're, they're, this is kind of a, you either like it or you don't like it kind of franchise. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that started with that was that's been apparently from the first film. And that's fine. You know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, even if it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So speaking of which, do you remember the first time you watched this? Yes, I do. <laughs> with you. Um, we did not go to the theaters to see it. I remember when it was in theaters because you and I uh, and I, I was lucky enough to get to live to do this. Um, you and I went to a midnight showing of the original Nightmare on Elm Street. And I remember us coming out of the movie theater and or waiting to get into the movie, whichever, and hearing a couple people talking about Saw and hearing him say, man, that movie was fucked up and it was so good and all this stuff. And I kept thinking, I'm going to have to give that movie a try at some point. But you and I had waited for it to come out to rent um, because we weren't, you know, it was kind of like, oh, I'll get around to it. But it wasn't one that we were like, oh, my God, I have to go see it or anything. We didn't necessarily have high expectations for it yeah so we rented it and i remember us uh we had a big projection screen in our living room at the time it had uh it was given to us and we had like this big white wall we just so happened to have one in our living room and so we set up the projector and watched it and i remember uh we pulled up a couple of chairs so that we would be super close to it and sitting side by side and i remember us just looking at each other like what the fuck just happened? What did I just watch? And I remember you just being like, oh my God, like like your mind was just completely blown, as was mine. And again, I'll get into this more when we go into ratings, but this is a, a film to me that is still so fucking effective. I purposely put time between viewings of this film because the end of it has not lost its effectiveness for me. E I mean, even now, I still get chill bumps watching this movie. That's because the ending doesn't get less fucked up. <laughs> like, the more times you watch it, yeah, but, the ending's still fucked up. Yeah, but I have watched, continued to watch other fucked up films and still not had that reaction after a certain point of watching it. Yeah, but I think I think some of that is, and I, I know we had a couple people bring up the pacing of the film, that it's kind of all over the place. You keep saying a couple people. It was one person. Well, you told me I can't single people out. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, yeah, so they complained about the pacing of the film. The thing, the way I feel about the pacing is that, yeah, you've got some parts where it kind of speeds up and then it slows down and you got some parts where it's not. There's not really a hell of a lot going on at all. Mm -hmm. But I think what it does is give you time with the two characters that are locked in that bathroom. Mm -hmm. And so you really kind of begin to empathize with them. And I don't know, you can't feel what they're going through in that situation, but I feel like... <sighs> You kind of put yourself in that place mentally mm -hmm. so that when you get to the end, you're like, Jesus, no, don't leave me in here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So why don't you talk about <laughs> your first time? I don't remember the first time I watched it, honestly. 
<laughs> so you don't remember the night that I just described? Not, no. I remember that we did it. I just don't remember that we did it with this film. Yes, we did. <laughs> I got nothing. I literally just told the story and you're like, I don't remember that night at all. No, I, I remember doing it. I remember having that thing and we'd move shit around in the living room and turn one entire wall into a theater screen. Yes, I I'm saying doing it. you don't remember watching that I movie in particular. I just specific film. No. Okay, okay. Okay, fine, fine. You don't remember. Old man brain. I got it. <laughs> so, um, uh, let's, I, how do we jump in here? Like I'm, I'm having the, now I'm having old woman brain. <laughs> I think we normally do cast and crew after that. Yes, we do. <laughs> so, uh, this movie stars Carrie Elwes as Dr. Lawrence Gordon. It stars... Lee Winnell, our writer, and also stars as Adam, who has two last names that are never mentioned in the film. Uh, Danny Glover is Lieutenant Tapp. Uh, Monica Potter as Allison Gordon. And I can't remember Detective Singh's actor's name. Do you want me to do this now? <laughs> sure. So Ken Leung is there we go. Detective Singh. Dina Meyer plays Carrie. Yes. Mike Butters plays Paul. So there's a lot of people in here that with just one name, and I think we only saw him on screen once. And Zep. <laughs> Let's not forget Zep. Yeah, but yeah, so that Michael Emerson played yes. Zep. Benito Martinez plays Brett. You left out Shawnee Smith. I did. You should feel ashamed. <laughs> she plays Amanda. Mackenzie Vega played Diana Gordon. That's the daughter. Uh, Tobin Bell played Jigsaw. <laughs> Fuck, we both just... We both just dropped the ball there. We, like, yeah, like it's kind of all about him, and we both just dropped ball. We're very tired. It's been a very long day. The thing is, there's other people in here, but a lot of them, it, they're not on screen just a hell of a lot. Right. Like, I was kind of surprised you even mentioned Paul, so I guess you were just going down the list because I'm just like, reading the list. he was in there for like 30 seconds. So you know how it goes when... You're like, hey, go to the store. And I'm like, cool, text me a list. Oh, my God. And you text me a list, but you're like, you don't take, put everything on the list. And then you're like, you remember that one thing I told you to get? And I'm like, no, I don't. Was it on the list? <laughs> no. I read down the list. I get the list. Oh, my Lord. If it's not on the list, it doesn't go in the basket. <laughs> I depend on lists. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, there's a lot of characters in here, and I think some of these people, like, I don't even recognize them, like, looking at their face. I don't know what part of the movie they were in. And so I'm thinking that some of these people were in the traps where you see in the flashbacks, and that's the... And I, I will help were, you with that. They were dimly lit, and so I just don't know there's, who they are. There, okay, for this first movie, there's only, like, three traps. Yeah. So... So that's three people on this list that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so the Paul guy, he's a razor wire guy. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I don't know the name of the actor or the character who was the guy that had like the two drill bits on either side of his neck or whatever. Right. So, and I don't think that we're meant to. I don't think it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, probably not. And then, of course, Shawnee Smith wearing the bear trap. Right. And the guy who was covered in burn gel. Oh, yeah. Burn gel guy. Yeah. But again, I don't think it's that serious it's if we don't remember the character's name. Yeah. It's yeah. Not really. yeah. We're, what we're really not. matters is that Carrie Elwes sued them because he didn't think he got paid enough for this movie. That's what right. matters. Uh, does it, though? Not really. <laughs> he ended up getting paid anyway. Yeah. I think he wasn't worried about it until it made a ton of money. He was like, oh, shit. Right, right. It, it, I made less money than this on The Princess Bride. I should get paid. <laughs> I don't know. So that's it for the cast. I, and this is another thing. I know I've said it before. I like a small cast mm -hmm. because it's easier to remember. It's like if you ask me, I know who Dr. Gordon and Adam are. Yes, mm -hmm. I do. And Jigsaw. Don't ask me the name of the actor, but I'll be able to name characters. 
Oh, Lord have mercy. We were we were talking about this off mic like a couple of nights ago because I was determined. It was like, we don't even have to rewatch this movie. Like, I know this movie like the back of my hand. And Travis is like, well, I do have to watch this movie again. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, I've watched this movie a thousand times and I know you've been present for 998 of them. <laughs> so why do you feel like you need to watch it again? <laughs> okay. I'm just going to... I'm just going to throw it out there, okay? There were so many times when you watched this movie that I just wasn't paying attention. You know, at all. Yeah, I should have remembered that before I even asked you that question. Or you were really invested in this movie and did not realize that I had fallen asleep. Yeah. Which is also highly likely. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where the seeds of this show originates from, is because I have sat through a lot of movies thinking this is the best thing ever and i'm having a great time and travis is like i don't fucking care yeah i'm gonna have a nap <laughs> yeah he's he's not a he's not a cinephile so no 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 not really <laughs> not really i do like a, a nap in a cool dark place i find i've done some of my best sleeping at the theater oh my lord like when they re-released star wars you remember that yeah it was amazing it, they were like three hours long i slept through the whole thing it was so good so why don't you tell the boys and girls what what you do like hmm like, do you like nothing? Uh, just funny movies and fart jokes, I guess. I don't know. Oh, my I'm Lord. a child. <laughs> I don't know. Unless unless there's bad shit happening to somebody or, you know. I have plenty of bad stuff happening to I, people. Listen, no, but I told you I'm a giggly bitch. So if I'm not laughing and Rambo's not shooting somebody, I'm kind of out. You know, for all those movies that are funny and, and Rambo's shooting people, you still play on your phone. I do, and I'll still fall asleep. <laughs> Listen, there's no pleasing me. <laughs> what does it take to keep you entertained? Like, uh, really enver- entertained? Well, I, I watched Gladiator all the way to the end. He asked me if I was entertained. That's said, yes. because cell phones were not a thing at the time. This How is, did you watch movies I, before there were cell phones? I slept a lot in movies. <laughs> the man Wish, was made to work all day, clearly. I just work all the time. Work and, and, and sleep. Go, and then I sleep. <laughs> Sometimes there's food in between those. Oh that's that's basically it. <laughs> oh, this is the person I married. I'm so sad. We should probably move on to the story now. <laughs> oh my gosh. So um so how do you feel about this story kind of uh since you paid attention I did, this time? Did I did I did it. <laughs> I, <did. laughs> I will I cannot tell a lie. I did. Uh you know what I like the story. I do, despite the what critics may say. I'm I'm in with it, and, and and I think it's just because it. This movie was original, I guess, the time it came out, and the plot gets so convoluted. And I normally don't like movies that have to make me think about things, but how they kind of tie it all together and sort of weave the characters together through the flashbacks with all their interactions and sort of bringing it back to the place that they're in at in that in that present moment. I really think that's neat. Mm-hmm. Like it was really well thought out in most instances. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was saying before, there's a couple of things where I uh, like the key in the bathtub. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. It's like, well, you know, you, you sort of forgot about that. It's kind of unfair, but maybe that was supposed to be that way. I don't know. I'm not going to try to second guess anybody on how they wrote it necessarily, but I don't know. I like the story. I feel like it fits together really well. 
I think that they tied together a lot of the miscellaneous parts together well. Um, they gave all the characters a reason to be in the place that they were, I guess. Like, even Zep just being an orderly, and he pops up later as, uh, I don't know, a main character, almost. Uh, a main part of the plot, if not a main character. Uh, sort of a, a driving factor, I guess, in the plot. And he, he really didn't have a role up until that point, I guess. So, But they found a way to make him important and call it back so that he's tied in with everything else. I, I like it. I like how they did that. I feel like the storytelling was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And he put in a lot of just fucked up shit. <laughs> you know, uh, same thing. Well, well, we'll talk about the acting later, but yeah, I feel like it's it's solid. What do you think? Same thing. This is a story that I enjoy so much. And for it being as simple, I mean, I, I know you said that it's convoluted, but when I'm thinking to, it's just a story of two guys sitting in a dank ass bathroom. Just two guys in the bathroom. Yeah. That is, to me, is so effective that they did so much with so little. And to me, the story is brilliant. However, I can, if I'm, if I'm just being nitpicky, I don't necessarily think they knew what to do in some cases. I don't think they realized what they had, I guess. Um... Because I feel like as the franchise goes along, there's a lot of rules that are getting broken or rules that weren't established well enough in this first film where they could be consistent, if that makes any sense. Because... Well, kind of like the key in the bathtub thing. I mean, one of one of his rules is that it has to be escapable. Right. right? And that comes up in one of the sequels. Like, no, your traps were unfair because there was no possibility of escape. Right. Um, yeah, if Gordon... Gordon had killed himself, Wanell had no way out of there. Adam Adam would have just been fucked. Right. With no way out. And so his side of the room was sort of unwinnable at that point. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there are a couple of people maybe that are chosen to participate in these games that don't necessarily need to be there. They feel like pawns in somebody else's game. And I don't necessarily think that that is fair either. Um, and I think that the fault of this may be going into subsequent films where Jigsaw says, I don't murder anyone. In fact, I despise murderers. I think that was a mistake, which I know we're not talking about Saw 2. I understand that. But having watched that film, it makes the first one harder to watch because you know all of this lore in your head and then you're going back to that first film and going, but wait, 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 wait. And it's hard to separate that and watch it on its own without that knowledge of the other films. Yeah, see, it makes it easier for me to watch this movie and not know anything about those other films because I don't know the things that you're talking about. Right. Because um, that's well, one know. advantage to not paying attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can see why they did it, though, because the longer the franchise goes on, it's going to be easier to paint Jigsaw as, uh, as a villain. And I think he's supposed to be sort of an anti-hero, mm-hmm. like Deadpool without a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so they had to they had to give him rules. They had to give him some sort of code like Dexter. Right. He has to have a code. So he's not just completely a bad guy because mm-hmm. otherwise he's just the villain. And then if you have a villain, then you have to have a hero and the hero has to win. But in this franchise, the hero's not really supposed to. I don't know that even in this first film, I would even consider him to be an anti-hero at this point. 
At this point, I feel like he's so mysterious that that's why maybe they decided to set up a sequel is because you're like, wait, what? I don't know enough about this guy. I want to know why he's doing this. I want to know, you know, I need the reasoning behind it. But we know why he's doing it. Sort of. They they give us just enough that we have the motive, but we don't know enough about why he came to want to do this or anything. So there's still some mystery there because... He's not, again, he's not just killing bad people. He's having other random people that don't necessarily deserve to be there. Like, I'm just going to say it. Adam didn't deserve to be there. No. At of, all. Kind of a piece of shit, but he wasn't necessarily worthy of a game all on his own. Right. I, I mean, he's paparazzi more or less, sort yeah, of. Kind of a private eye. Yeah. Sort of. And, you know... Are they great people? No. Do they deserve to die, though? Oh, no. (laughs) They don't. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. So I can understand where he would have targeted someone like Gordon because he's supposed to be this person who heals people, and yet he has no grasp on the importance of life. So I understand that part of it. But, you know, there was another guy, or like the guy who tried to kill himself and wasn't successful. I understand that too. I understand where it's, you know, trying to prove the value of life. But for somebody like Adam, it's like, hey, I'm just trying to make sure I put food on the table. To me, that doesn't necessarily earn it. Well, I mean... You know, Dr. Gordon was kind of an arrogant prick, and maybe he didn't have quite the regard for life that Jigsaw wanted him to have. I don't know. See, that's a tough one for me, because I would think that as a doctor, particularly as as an oncologist, um, well, I mean, you know, I kind of went through this with my dad. I could see where a doctor would have to sort of separate themselves from the emotion part of it. Right. Because they're going to run into so many patients that are so far past the point of them being able to save them Mm -hmm. that, I don't know, it feels like if you really got super emotionally involved every single time, you wouldn't be doing that job for very long. Right. I understand that that part of it. I don't. Was it just seemed- Yes. Was it worth putting him in a room and making him cut his foot off? Probably not. <laughs> no. I just un- I don't think it's as cut and dry as he's just Im- doesn't have the greatest bedside manner. I think there's more to it than that because he didn't even treat him like a person. He treated him like he was no. just a number. No. And while I have especially in recent six months i have run into doctors that are very much like that i have also run into doctors who genuinely seem to care about their patients without getting emotionally invested you can do both yeah i'm not not saying he was right to be the way he was but we're talking about was it worth it for these people to be there well none of them are but then we wouldn't have a film i just don't yeah i mean i guess that would be i'm agreeing with you here not all of these people (laughs) necessarily deserved what they got yeah it seems sort of petty some of the shit that he a was little like, bit a little bit you know yeah like if as that goes on you can kind of understand later you know they reveal the fact that he chose amanda because she inadvertently was responsible for the death of his child okay i get that or whatever And so they just keep making it grander and grander and grander. It's got to have all this backstory. It's got to have all this meaning and have all this reason. And again, I love the story. Don't get me wrong. I do. But I loved it when there was more mystery behind it. And you're like, what the fuck is the deal with this guy? You know, I I think that made it creepier, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. One of the other things that I think is the sign of a great story is when it opens up 
a dialogue when it makes you search your own identity and and, and makes you ask, what would I do if I were in this situation? In some cases, you don't know who's right. You don't know who's wrong. You empathize with people that you don't necessarily, aren't necessarily supposed to empathize with um, and despise people that maybe you have no right to. You know what I mean? And I think that, yeah, that's the mark of a good story is being able to ask those questions because if you just watched the film and just ultimately left with nothing, then, you know. So between Dr. Gordon and Adam, which one do you empathize with the most, I I guess? Probably Gordon, if I'm being honest. What would you do in his situation? (laughs) You can ask me that question too. You and I Although you know what I would do. You and I are going to land on opposite sides of the fence. Really? Yes. Okay. Because I, and I don't like characters and films being put in this situation where you, you have to have some kind of regard for human life. You have to have some kind of appreciation for human life, in my opinion. And I think that if Gordon could have just walked in there and just shot somebody dead without a thought, without guilt, is awful. And I know that you don't feel that way. Not even a little bit. You would not feel bad for taking a human life. If it was between, well, in Gordon's situation, if I have to choose between you and the kids or them, it's going to be you and the kids. Well, I'm yes, I understand that. But stop and think that you know nothing about this person. That could be some somebody's son that could be somebody's husband that could be children's father probably is but not my wife and not my kids that's i'm sorry that's that's an evil way of thinking that's republican versus liberal right there sorry well i'm I'm glad you feel that way i guess (laughs) that i would choose to save you and the kids first and you disagree with that all right it's not that, but to not ha- feel bad about it I is the issue that I might feel bad about it later, but in, I'm, I might feel bad about it later, but in the moment, it's not even a choice. It's not even a question. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sorry, bud. Today's your day. Like, I just can't. I'll feel bad about it later. I'll feel bad about it after I got you and the kids safe. I just can't do that. I... I I don't think that Gordon played it well either because I understand being in the heat of the moment and you're not thinking properly and that's my problem is I don't think that either one of those guys utilized their brains in the way that they could have because that situation was escapable if either one of them had really thought about it. Well, and, and we talked about this when we were watching it. I don't feel like they fully explored the room. Like mm-hmm. there's other shit in the background. And I guess and we keep saying it, you know, later Saul, Saul movies, there's always like Easter eggs and shit hidden mm-hmm. around the place. Maybe there wasn't in the film, but I guess the way it, the way it ended up playing out on screen Mm -hmm. there's just there's some unexplored territory yes and like there is some downtime i have to agree with that one review there is some downtime where they're just kind of hanging out (laughs) you know yeah like they could have just been standing around you know drinking some water at the Mm -hmm. office or whatever having coffee yeah and that i just don't feel like that was realistic necessarily right they wasted time when they could have been working yes and i guess that's my thing is I don't want to kill Adam. I don't want to have to kill another human being, whether it's my family on the chopping block or not. At the end of the day, I don't want to take a life. Let's put our heads together and figure out what we can do to get ourselves 
out of this situation, you know? Like, the ideas that they came up with were kind of stupid. I'm going to pretend to poison this cigarette. That was kind of dumb. If he he wasn't ready to pull the trigger, he should have just really poisoned the cigarette and not told him. (laughs) I mean, I just, like you said, there there was more around that room that they could have utilized to get out of that situation. And... That's the route that I think I would have gone. I'm I'm a problem solver. I'm a critical thinker. I can't. It's not as black and white for me as I'm just going to walk in the room. Booga! You know? <laughs> well, I mean, technically that solves a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean. Like the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. <laughs> you know what I mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. I just... Yeah, no, it would. I think it would have been over pretty quick. <laughs> I'm not going to cut my foot off and walk out of there because at some point I got to find and kill the guy that put me in that bathroom in the first place. So. Oh my god, because that's going to improve the situation it would, too. Because then he can't do it to anybody else. You know, it's a movie, <laughs> Ashley. It's a movie. That's that was my point. Is that this movie can make you have those discussions? It can. It can make you have those discussions. So I, I think if a movie was just shitty, then you know people wouldn't tend to get as fired up as they do about him i I agree with you there i think they get too fired up about it oh my god (laughs) i know where you sleep i know where you sleep (laughs) yeah you do you're picking at me (laughs) but it's it's not even just those two characters you know um like somebody like zep we were talking about this for instance he's supposed to be a victim in this that he's getting poisoned and has to be made to make this difficult decision of whether or not he'll kill a mother and her child to save his own life but he seems to take some sick satisfaction in torturing them yeah he's a sick boy yeah he does seem to be really enjoying it and maybe jigsaw told him to do that but i really doubt it because he just doesn't In the rest of the films, he does not play out to be that kind of guy. Right. Um, That he's going to tell Zep, well, I want you to hold these two and kill them at the end. But you can torture them in the middle. Yeah. No. That's not, that doesn't seem to be his his thing. Um, Yeah, Zep was a little twisted. He was a sick puppy. Yeah. But there's also, I think, the way Tap is explored also in that... What happens when you get too obsessed with your job and catching the bad guy? He was just a prequel to Riggs in whatever <laughs> sequel that He was, was two days from retirement. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, well, there's a Saw sequel, uh, Sergeant, Sergeant Riggs, right? Yeah. Where he like, everybody ends up dying at the end. And he's like, well, if you just could have waited, if you just could have let it go. Yes. And exactly. I mean, this, is, this is like his daddy <laughs> or something. <laughs> Because he just couldn't let it go. Right. Yeah. I'm surprised you remember that, Mr. I didn't pay attention. I was awake during some parts. <laughs> like, sometimes you got to wake up and go get a drink. And you got to wake up and go pee. And in those moments, I looked up and went, yeah, it's still on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <sighs> but no. And the thing about this is that nobody in this film was a good guy either. Like, they all had something wrong with them, I guess. Mm. There wasn't anybody... The only two innocents in the whole movie, really, were Gordon's wife and daughter. And I would say Detective Singh, also. Yeah, he kind of got caught in the crossfire. But at yes. the same time, as a police officer, he should have seen what was going on and been like, look, dude, no. I'm, I'm not going to go with you with no warrant in the middle of the night and break into this place. Well, I understand his point of view where he, he doesn't want to let his partner go in there alone because he knows that he's going to. Right. Regardless. And he could have called for backup. Yeah. I'm just saying that he was a grown ass man. And, and I'm made, just saying. And he made some choices. <laughs> 
and those choices ended up with him taking like five shotgun rounds to the head. Right. I'm just saying I think he was he was trying to protect somebody. Yeah. His, his intentions were pure, not... I, I can agree with that. Yeah, and he, he wasn't the obsessed guy like, I could take him down no matter what. But your lead your lead characters were all flawed yes. in some way or another. Yeah, I and would I, agree. I do appreciate that. They mm-hmm. didn't try to make anybody like, they're perfect. Yeah, yeah. There was no black and white. There was everything, everything was gray. So, yeah. I, I, I guess that's my thing about it is that I, I feel like it's maybe convoluted to some, but I don't think it is i think it's the interweavings of the human experience you know everybody is flawed everybody behaves in ways that are not so favorable thinking they're doing the right thing every single day you know it kind of makes you because i would feel that that people are portrayed in sort of a more honest manner in this film you know yeah I mean, they everybody's got their dirt mm-hmm. and maybe that's the reason people don't like it because you know people don't like it when you shine a light on their shame <laughs> Shine on your shade. <laughs> Sorry. Now you just took me out. <laughs> A wise man once said that. Shine on your shame. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I mean, I they always want like a really clear cut. This is our good guy. guy. This is our bad yeah, guy. They want a white hat and a black hat. Right. And you don't get that in this film. Yeah. And I think the thing where people were really talking about, oh, this is torture porn. This is blah, blah, blah. I don't think it's torture porn necessarily. Was that in there? Yes. But I think what we really had here was a clearer case of post 9-11 when the world just wasn't a happy place. And we we have the horror films we have made since we have been making horror films have always been a reflection of what was going on in our society at the time. If you take something like Night of the Living Dead or you take something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or The Hills Have Eyes, like like everything that was happening was I mean shit even radioactive bugs and rats you know fear of the atom bomb everything is was in response to what was happening in our world at the time and I don't think films like Saw and Hostel or Rob Zombie's various films were any different I think we were kind of in a nihilistic phase in the country well I think I shouldn't say this 9-11 kind of made some people, I think, in the United States wake up that the world is a really mean place. Yes. And we are not immune to it anymore. Yes. And we are not always the heroes. Because we kind of lived in a bubble over here for a long time. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, we've got our problems, but all these wars and all this shit and all this stuff, it's all somewhere else. And then suddenly it was here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I can agree with that. The movies reflected a lot of that. Yeah. That suddenly the world was a big, scary place full of big, scary people that will hurt you. Yeah, I, I get it. In movies where people are getting these torturous thing happen to them, we were seeing that on our news, you know. So in a way, some of this was a safe outlet for us to get our frustrations out, you know, to that anxiety that was kind of at its boiling point there, you know. Mm, yes and no. Because, I mean, in Hostel, it wasn't Americans doing it to someone else. It was them doing it. It was uh-huh. them doing it to Americans. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I don't know that that's us venting frustration. No, I think I think, I think we were fear. extremely xenophobic yeah, during is, those times. That is them highlighting this is something that we're afraid of. Yes. But with regards to the torture porn thing, Hostel is what I always equate to that. I have never really looked at host- at uh, the Saw franchise, really, and thought of that. Well, here's the thing. I can understand how you could leap to that conclusion 
after the first one. Yeah. Or the second one, I'm sorry. This first film? No. I don't get torture from this no. film at all. No. No, if anything, it's almost like he's justice maybe or comeuppance i guess <laughs> yeah you know maybe it's not justice but these people are sort of just getting what they deserve well just, the I, next thing i'm gonna bring up which is another thing that i don't think is is really that fair is that this movie always gets compared to the film seven and if you're looking at it on the surface as, oh, there's a couple of detectives that are hunting a serial killer that's doing these, these things. Sure. But when you go into it a little bit deeper, they're two different villains. They really are. Yes, they are both doing this with a motive thinking, well, no, actually, they're, they're both not doing it. Because John Kramer, yes, he has a motive and a reason for why he's doing this. John Doe does not. He just wants to watch the world burn, yeah. essentially. He's doing it just because he likes to do it. Yes. And because he's fucking with Brad Pitt. <laughs> I mean... I mean, but there's no there's no justice, and at no point does John Doe do anything that it's like, well, you could have survived this by doing this thing. Yeah. At least when Kramer sets up his, like, there you, you might come out maimed. You're you're not going to come out of it without experiencing some pain. You're going to get hurt, but you have an opportunity to survive it. Yes. And John Doe never gave anyone that option. Right. So, so yeah, I don't think that it's fair for them to for this film to always get lumped in with that one. Um. As a matter of fact, I believe that the Saw filmmakers said they were actually more inspired by the film Cube, which I have not watched in a very long time, but I did remember enough about it that I went, oh, I, I can see that. That is a comparison I could see. Yeah. So you didn't want to watch that movie with me. I remember, but I did anyway. But you did. <laughs> but yeah, because I want to say everyone in there was a criminal or something. They had all done something. They all had a, a skeleton in their closet that had sort of landed. I don't in remember there. enough, but yeah, it was similar. But I do remember, you know, them having to escape certain situations and being like, oh, okay, I can see that now. Um, if you're talking in terms of aesthetic, then I would say, okay, I could see how it could be compared to Seven. Definitely by aesthetic, but yeah. So, shall we move on to acting? Sure. So, another reviewer was highly critical the same of reviewer? the acting. <laughs> you want to just say his name? No, I don't. Okay, I don't either. <laughs> I just feel like we should reference it because I disagree. Uh -huh. I don't necessarily... This is one of those, like, you don't know how... You said you don't know what choice you'll make necessarily until you're in that situation. And mm -hmm. so these things make you think about what would you do. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, how would you act? Yes. Um, I think this was Lee Winnell's first major film to act in. Like he had done the short film. I don't think his acting was terrible. I mean, there's a few lines where he delivered them and they were kind of like, eh, yeah, maybe you should have done another take on that. Mm -hmm. But like at the very end, Jesus. Yeah. Like, no, like, give that I, man an Oscar. I he did fucking good. agree. <laughs> I and, really agree. And um, that one review was really critical of Carrie Elvis when he's flipping out because he's hearing this, he's, he's hearing this fight and gunshots between his wife and up on the phone and he's having a meltdown and his baby's there like and he can he has daughters screaming in the background how would you react i know the person who did the review and was like no that's bullshit clearly has no children like well he does but that that was my question or i thought if i could ask him one question i'd be like okay my guy how do you suppose you would react in this situation you know where because you see the signs, the small little signs and hints of Gordon cracking throughout. 
any time his wife and daughter are mentioned as being in this situation. Like he's keeping it together. He's calm. But as soon as that reality even starts to set in for a second, he snaps, you know, now he'll pull it back together. But he does eventually get to a spot where it's like, no, we're down to the fucking wire now and you have to act. And yes, he loses his shit, understandably. See, that kind of leads me back to my other one. It feels like, you know, by the end of the movie, you can see that that whole, I'm very cool and collected and just put together Dr. Man, it's probably a defense mechanism against what he does mm-hmm. for a living. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you definitely, they're small at first, but you see the cracks start to form as the movie goes. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you see that mask just break. Yes. And I agree with it completely. I don't think he did a bad job. I think I'd freak out too. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would have a full blown meltdown. I think. Mm -hmm. And there's there's scenes of him crying where I it is absolutely believable to me. Where makes me wonder if he really was like had imagined himself in that situation and was really going for it. Right. I mean, the only thing I saw in his performance was that I felt like his accent slipped in a couple of places where you were like, oh yeah, yeah, this is a British guy. Which, by the way, Lee Winnell's American accent, fucking spot on. I think he did terrific. And I don't, if you hadn't told me he, well, not you specifically, but if I had never known that he was Australian, I would have just assumed he was American. Like, to me, it it was that good. I thought he was American until today when you told me he wasn't. (laughs) Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Carrie always, in a couple of places, you know, he did the wee 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 all the way home (laughs) where you could kind of tell just a little. I mean, I feel like I do a really good job of hiding my accent too, but every now and then you slip. (laughs) You You say say, orange? And you say (laughs) y'all. But so I'm sorry. I apologize if I let my accent slip every now and then. And you know I'm, that I'm from the <laughs> South somewhere. Goddamn. But uh, that, that I wasn't trying to be mean. I was just no, saying. I'm, I got you though. Um, that was the only nitpick that I could find in his performance. Other than that, I thought he did just fine. There's definitely been worse performances in horror films that people regard as being wonderful now, which I don't get. And I'm not going to call out any specific films because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but that movie you regard as a classic, performances are not always great in those. (laughs) So I thought he did fine with what he was given, and I thought that he performed really well in certain situations. But yes... I have to say the standout in this film was absolutely Lee Winnell. Absolutely, hands down. Um, that's that's leaving to- a Tobin Bell out of the equation because, yes, he did a good job. But he, if you count the total minutes he was in that first film... I don't think you can really count it. Pretty sure he's on screen for a single digit number of minutes out of an hour and 45 minute movie. Right. So I I don't count him. Um, Now, if you're talking part two and on, yes, he did terrific. Well, I take that back. There's that moment at the very end when he stands up out of the pool of blood and he's got that kind of Steve-O look on his face where he's like, whoa, dude. (laughs) And then walks out. Yeah. But no, um, yes, like you were saying, the character of Adam, or well, <laughs> Lee Winnell, sorry, he does have a couple of moments where the acting's not great, but I can excuse it because I know that he this is his first film, so whatever. But yes, those last 15, 20 minutes of the movie, he's incredible. Like, I think part of the reason that that 
last scene is so effective for me is solely based on his performance, not just the twist. Because yes, the twist is good, but his performance and adding that to the score completely sell that scene. I agree. So. I think Elvis gives a powerful performance there at the end, but the magic starts when he crawls his bloody stump out of there and one L's by himself with Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know. For me, it's when he says game over and slams the door and you can just hear one L screaming. Yes. And the music starts and you're like, oh. That screaming is fucking brutal. It's brutal. And we'll talk about we'll talk about the end more here in a little bit. But even uh, Danny Glover's performance, and I've seen a lot of Danny Glover films growing up throughout my life this felt completely different than anything he had ever done i've seen him do comedic performances i've seen him be a good guy i've seen him be a bad guy i've never quite seen him kind of cracked and defeated like he was in this film you know who he made me think of in this film and it it should be the other way around i think because this movie came out first but you know who he made me think of Lawrence Fishburne's character in Predators because he's okay. kind of he's sort of broken like that too mm-hmm. right because there's that scene when they're still it's it's before they run off to go catch Jigsaw mm-hmm. him and his partner and he's watching the video and you see him it's he's not actually talking to himself but his facial expressions are subtly changing like in his head he's having an entire conversation with himself mm-hmm. i don't know it just, that's what it made me think of Okay. Was that performance. They were both good. Mm-hmm. But I agree. I mean, for me, Danny Glover's known for like buddy cop stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, or he's, well, he's always a police officer, isn't he? Just about. Has there been a movie where he wasn't a police officer? Yes. Would several you? of them. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but. Wait a minute. No, because he, he was in The Color Purple. Uh-huh. And he wasn't a police officer. And uh-huh. he, he had a, an unhinged performance in that one, too. He was very violent. It was, yes. That was a very dramatic departure from anything I'd ever seen him yes. before. Yes. But I was used to that either. He's the good guy or he's the bad guy. There's yeah. never really any in between. And so this was the first time I remembered seeing him in a part where he was that kind of gray character. He seemed vulnerable in this. Where he's the good guy, but he's not necessarily acting as a good guy yeah. would. But that's an, you just when you said that it brought me up. He he seems vulnerable in this, and he hasn't really seemed that way in the other films I've watched him in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like in the Lethal Weapon series, because those are the ones of him that I've seen the most. Like you kind of, yeah, he's in danger, but he's gonna be okay, right? right? He's, yeah. He's sitting here strapped to this toilet with a bomb underneath it, but, but he's, he's gonna be okay. He's gonna be fine. <laughs> Because yeah. it's, a, it's an action movie and he's going to be yeah. fine because uh-huh. you can't have him and Mel Gibson apart from each other. Like, it's just, yeah. you're never, he's never seen as infirm. And I think that's the thing in this one. He seems unwell, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of like, he might not make it. <laughs> right. Yeah, and exactly. I had never thought that about him and any other thing I'd ever seen him in. Yeah. And it started with that throat cut, you know, and him crying out because his partner's dead. Right. You know, that was the first time I'd ever seen him like that. And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. I don't know how I feel about yeah, this. There was a vulnerability in, in his character in this film that I hadn't really seen before. Yeah. From yeah. Him. I think that's it. I think you hit the nail on the head, though. But um, the. has got range. <laughs> yeah. Michael Emerson is Zepp. He was, he was creepy little toad. They should have made a whole other movie with just him as a serial killer because I totally yeah. bought it. Yeah, he 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 did great. Um, but other than that, everybody else they were fine. You know, Monica Potter did pretty good with her part. Um, the little girl acted her fucking ass off. She did. Jesus, like she she really really sold the terror so, for me. You that first scene where you see uh, wife and daughter like tied up. 
And I'm looking at Monica Potter as Zep's over there, like, screwing with the little girl. Mm -hmm. Torturing the little girl, basically. Scaring her to death. And I thought, she didn't fight hard enough because there's no blood on her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like in that situation, if they ever got you tied down, there would be blood. Oh, yeah. For sure. And I'm like, like, she she didn't even go one round, much less go ten. Yeah. So, you're, you know, we we were having a little (laughs) debate about... Uh, the value of human life. I feel like a character like Zep is completely different. Adam has no business needing to be killed. He's not the one who put you in this situation. However, Zep sitting there fucking torturing my child. Oh yeah, you bet your ass. And he is making the conscious choice to kill them to save himself. Yes, yes. And that's just... That to me is completely different. Yeah, and he seems to be enjoying it. Yes. And that's that's the problem. Yes. So, I mean, that's another one. It put me in Monica Potter's situation. Like, at the point where she wrestled the gun away from him, he's just dead at that point. Like, I'm not... Mm-hmm. I'm just going to shoot him. You yes. tortured my kid. You threatened to kill us. Today's yeah. your day. To, to me, there's a difference between that. I, so... Yeah. I don't know. I feel like in this situation, in a lot of these where I put myself in it, I feel like I might feel bad about it later. But in the moment, uh, no, it's just going to have to happen. Mm, character like that, no, I wouldn't feel bad. No, about no, it later. No, Adam, I mean, yes, I would absolutely feel terrible about it. But Zep, yeah. oh hell no. No. But in the moment faced with a choice, eh, no. Yeah, let's not let's not go into that argument yeah. again. No, 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 we're not. <laughs> but I just feel like that was the at a Monica Parker's performance, and it could have been written that way, right? Maybe they didn't want to spend the effects budget or whatever, but I feel like, man, a real mom would have fought till they were burger. I would have. that from yeah. happening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and now, while well, I was thinking about you, like, nah, you're not going to go down that easy. No, <laughs> like, I'm, I, I'm not. <laughs> like, you'll be bleeding. He's going to be bleeding. And she was just like, yeah, I'm fine. I still got my makeup on. I'm tied to the bed. <laughs> I don't know know. that it's it's that. I think that she was trying to play it smart in her situation too. Yeah, maybe, maybe because like Aiden, because Aiden was watching this with us, and Aiden was saying, "Yeah, but panicking and doing this is not going to improve your situation." It does if Zep goes out a window. And so I understand Aiden's point in that. Like, we just need to stay calm, stay calm. So I, I get it. I'm trying to imagine myself trying to stay calm in that. Because, <laughs> like, my first impulse is just going to be to hulk out. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, Lord. I don't know. Uh... Anyway. <laughs> so let's move on to special effects. Because <laughs> on the list you never updated, that's what's next. <laughs> Before it gets weird. Er. I know people are like gonna be listening uh, whenever they listen and go, my God, these, these two are like really going at it today. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not really going at it. Anymore. No, we're not. This is this is a healthy debate. It is. <laughs> I got nothing. All right, so special effects. Special effects. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna move on to special effects. So, who did the special effects for this film? I don't have the stats pulled up in front of me. You know this movie like the back of your hand. <laughs> So someone did them. You want to talk about score? I can tell there you was, score. There was a person or people <laughs> that showed up and they did effects for this film. And they did a pretty damn good job. You know. Ashley's going to talk about it. Why? Well, look up who they were. 
I was going to say, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that for a minute. Um, this, I feel like this film is known, it, it's made more notorious than it actually has credit to be because this this first film, I feel like is really tame in comparison to what came after it. There's really not that much gore to speak of, if we're being really honest. No, they were pretty, uh, they showed a lot of restraint. I, I think so, yes. Because just the nature of the film itself, they could have gone nuts with it. And they really didn't. I mean, didn't you say that some of these shots had to be added post because he was going to get a PG-13? Yes, yeah. Um, interview with James Wan, he was saying, you know, by the time he finished the film, he was like, oh shit, I made a PG-13 drama. So he had to go back and film some stuff after the the fact so that he could have an actual horror film. Well, see, the thing is, I think even if you'd left that out, it still would have been a good film. I, I don't necessarily know how much those shots added to it, really. But I found the people responsible. <laughs> Charles Bellardinelli, uh, Thomas Bellissimo, Brad Harden, and Mike Tristano. Yeah, these are, uh, forgive we me. We don't know you, but you did a fantastic yeah, job. Yeah, forgive me, but these are people that I haven't actually ever heard of before, so... Um, but what they did do was pretty good. I, I you know. I, so, yeah. So the thing that sticks with me is all the, the contraptions that they made. Like, uh, oh, the Pez dispenser creator. <laughs> the bear trap. <laughs> like somebody had to build that. And there was one in the short film, right? And the yes. one that we see in the short film looks, looks almost identical to the one you see in the film. Uh-huh. But, goddamn, somebody's got an engineering degree. Good job. And... <laughs> It just looked really awesome. Um, but I, I want to give some credit to James Wan, too, because he's actually the person who created the Billy Puppet. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. He, he made that himself for the short film um, out of paper towel rolls, some golf balls, and paper mache. And that sounds like some MacGyver-level shit right See, there. See, where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> and All you gotta do is go to Michael's and buy some stuff. Yeah, and they and it was it worked out so well that they just used the same doll for the film. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I, I think so. But uh, let's see. Let's let's think about some moments where there was gore. Um, I guess really the first one you see the guy in the the razor wire cage really, didn't really, really show not anything a lot going on there. I mean, you see a dude hanging up and there's a little bit of blood, but there's nothing nasty. Uh, the guy that set himself on fire, you don't really see it. I mean, no. you see sort of a burnt corpse after the fact. Yeah, but. I think a lot of it is more in the dialogue. You know, the way razor wire guys explained. You know, she's like saying they found traces of stomach acid on the floor. You know, you don't see that, but just hearing it, you go, oh, yeah. Ugh. So I think. That's what happened with a lot of people. Is it like Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Really don't see an, anything in there, but the sheer idea of what is happening in there makes your mind build it up to this right. level that you feel as though you did see all these things happen. Right, right. Um, let's see the bear trap scene. You don't ever really get a bear trap kill. No, or you don't get a bear trap kill in this one. Mm -hmm. Um, when she was digging around in her cellmate's guts that yeah. was that was fine that was an in yeah that was one of the insert shots um nothing wrong with that at all mm -hmm. it was better guts than you see in most early zombie movies so <laughs> you know um cutting the foot off that was another one and that was another one you just saw a little bit of blood on the ankle you didn't see him actually cut through his foot you really don't yeah the you scariest know? parts are what you don't see in this movie exactly because i remember your reaction to seeing that and as soon as you saw that little bit of blood on his ankle, you were like, nope, 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 nope. Yep, and I'm you, out. yeah, you, you turned and you, you couldn't look. And I remember just being like, ah, ah, ah. And looking at it now, I'm like, why did we freak out so much? It really doesn't show anything. It really doesn't. We have watched way more in something like Terrifier. Right. You know? So something I do want to call out. 
um, really the special effects people don't get credit for it. I guess the makeup department gets credit for it. Is that about halfway through the film, you see a real change in Dr. Gordon. He starts looking corpse-like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They start painting him blue before he ever cuts his foot off. And I don't understand that choice. It didn't take me out of the film, but every time he was on screen, I went, why is he looking like that? Like, he looks sickly. Is mm-hmm. he poisoned? I mean, what's wrong with him? And then, I shit you not, he's turning into a smurf by the end of the movie. <laughs> I, I just don't... <laughs> I don't understand why they did that to him so early. Like, if they had gotten maybe 50% there by the end of the film, that would have been okay. I mean, it makes sense. He's lost a lot of blood. He just cut his foot off. But so early in the film for him to start to look so haggard, I just don't know that there had... I don't understand that. I don't know why. What do you think about it? Did it not... That just stood out to me as being something weird. didn't to me, I guess. Because in my mind, I was thinking, wow, they did a good job of just making him look like shit. They did, but he looked sick. And that's the part I didn't understand. I I could only attribute it to being extreme stress. That's the only thing I can think of. Because... Well, that's a big difference between you and I is that I will stress myself out to the point of being sick. You do not do that. No. So. No, nah, because I would shot that guy been out of there by then. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, <sighs> I'm just I'm just saying. So, but I do think that it looks good. It doesn't look bad. I just felt like for it to happen as early as it did seemed out of place. I think they did it too soon. Okay. Agree to disagree. Okay. Fine. <laughs> fine. Fine. I'm never coming. I'm not pulling my GPS out and getting to where you are. And clearly you're not either. No. So. No, no, no. Um, so something that we don't normally talk about in our reviews is set dressing but i feel like it's important in this film because the ambiance the environment is such a huge component of the overall feel of the movie Mm -hmm. whoever did the set dressing for that bathroom whoever had to like get sick in that toilet so that lee winnell could dig around in it with his bare hands melted candy bar kudos to you (laughs) it felt dirty (laughs) you really do i i on this we i can agree with you or will agree with you This film makes you feel like you need a shower after the fact. Like you feel like you've been rolling around all over that floor, licking the toilet, you know, whatever. It it just, it makes you feel disgusting. That, yeah. And emotionally drained to boot. And I guess that was it. Because again, normally we don't call it the environment necessarily um, as part of a review, but I feel like it bears mentioning in this one. Mm -hmm. The... God almighty, that bathroom was almost as much a character as any of the people in this film. I would absolutely agree with Um, that. Because if it had not been done as well, or if it had taken place somewhere else, I don't know that the film would have been as impactful. Yeah. There's something claustrophobic Mm -hmm. about it, Mm -hmm. even though it's not a small room, right? It's a fairly large room. Right. But it still feels claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. And like you said, dirty. Like, even if I get out of here, I'm going to have syphilis. (laughs) And it's going to be bad. And because I lick the floor and it's all, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It just makes you feel really. I feel dirty right now just thinking about it. It's. <laughs> It makes it, it's more immersive to me. I yeah. Think, that way. And mm-hmm. that's the only part of it that makes me feel that way. Like the house shots, the hospital shots. Eh, it's just a house. It's just a hospital. But that room, that room had character. It really, really did. So much so that films later in the franchise, when they keep referencing that bathroom, you feel like you're seeing an old friend almost, you know, like, like the very last scene of of saw the final chapter whenever um you you find out that Dr. Gordon has been 
uh, Jigsaw's protege from to this point. And then he's, you know, you start seeing those overhead lights of the bathroom flash on in that blue aesthetic. You're like, oh, yes, yes. Feel these nipples. You know, <laughs> see, I feel like some especially since they started calling it up later in the franchise, it was almost like we needed to reference that to make ourselves more credible because it was almost as good as a cameo from Elvis. Yeah. Or Lee Winnell. Yeah. I mean, throwing that bathroom in there, that's like, you know, having Arnold standing in the background of your movie waving. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like Stan Lee popping up in a Spider-Man film. You're just like, oh, shit, there it is. You know? Yeah. As a matter of fact, that was the reaction that I had watching Saw 7. Yeah. Was as soon as I saw those lights flash, I was like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. I was like, oh, you're all fucked now. <laughs> Taking you to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Taking you to the bathroom. We still haven't cleaned that thing. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, and I will say um, on that note, I do really enjoy the aesthetic in this film and the all of the movies that followed. We were talking because we actually watched Spiral uh, this evening, and I was saying this doesn't feel like a Saw film purely because of the aesthetic of it. You know, where the original Saw franchise is a lot of blue and green and white. You know, um, it's very cold. Yes. Feeling. And spirals very warm and hot feeling. A lot of a lot of earth tones and Well now it was spiral that opens with the two guys fighting over the girl, right? No. That's Saw Seven. Spiral is Chris Rock. Oh yeah. We literally just watched it, honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Well, we watched like three of them. We watched that one and we watched Jigsaw and I don't... And Spiral. Don't and Spiral. Those are two different films. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they couldn't... They might not be. <laughs> oh my know. God. Anyways, anyway. moving on. <laughs> I, I agree. I'm just agreeing that they, they had a different feel. Yeah. I don't know... Because uh, we watched, what, the one with Chester Bennington in it. Final and, chapter, yeah. seven. Yeah, that one too. And oh my I God. just, none of them captured the same tone necessarily to me as the first film. Mm-hmm. There's something very isolating about the first film that I just don't feel like they ever captured that emotion in any of the sequels. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because there was always more than just two people in all the rest of them, right? Like every, all the ones that came after that, there's always a group of people, mm-hmm. right? And I can't be in that much danger. I got my friends with me, you know? Mm-hmm. But in the first one, it's just two dudes that don't know each other in the beginning and find out they don't really like each other all that much either. Yeah. I'm just talking, uh, which I... You're talking I, about color palette. I said I, this... I got you. I was going to say, I said the same thing, Naden. I'm talking about purely visual... Yes. ...that saw one through seven all have the same look. They all look like the first Twilight movie. <laughs> and then you get to Spiral... Or new moon of twilight, and there's two different color palettes. See, I don't feel like the the ones that all. I don't feel like the ones that came after this captured it necessarily. I do. I feel like they all had it, okay. and I've seen it more times than you, you have. You so I have. don't want to hear it. You are the authority on this topic. Yes, clearly, so. I am. <laughs> well, then let's just move on to score, and I'll say mine first. Okay. Because you were mean to me just now. <laughs> I don't know that it had any music up until the very end. It did. When he slams the door and you get the main theme and it I, did. I got a I Yep, got a semi. <laughs> like I was like, yeah. <laughs> that's it right there. That's the good stuff. 
I really like that ending. In case you haven't noticed, I'll try not. I'll try not to be too graphic about it. But the combination of Lee Wanell's scream as Adam, the pitch black, the door screaming, and that music is just—that's what does it for me, baby. <laughs> okay. But you're saying that there was other music in this movie? Yes. Okay. There was. Um, so Charlie Clausers, the the person who did the score for this film and was actually a former member of Nine Inch Nails. And what you get through this film is a good example of that kind of 90s industrial rock type of, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it besides that industrial sound. Um, very, very ominous, very cold but it's got that kind of, and I guess that's why they call it industrial. It's got that kind of metal, like, I don't know. But that score for a film like this absolutely fucking works. I I think that it was extremely well done, but, but I can see how you would think that it's only got that one part of the score because it is really fucking good and memorable. Kind of like how 28 Days Later has a really good score throughout. But the one piece of music in the climax is the most memorable because it's really good. So I I understand your logic. Good. <laughs> so what's your favorite quote, favorite kill, favorite scene? Ooh, I'm going to have to think about that for a minute. You go first. Okay. All three of them are right at the end of the movie. Favorite quote, game over. Really? Favorite kill, Lee Winnell dies there. <laughs> like, and that's the most horrible thing to just be locked in the dark until you die. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, and that the favorite scene is like the 10 seconds leading up to that. Like that pretty much encompasses the whole movie for me. Yeah. I think, let's see. I think for me, it would be probably the live or die make your choice. I, I really like that one too. There's something very creepy about that. And I feel like probably a lot of people would say the, the most iconic line throughout or from the entire series, I want to play a game. But to me, live or die make your choice is more foreboding, yeah. I guess. More ominous, I guess. See, when, when he says, I want to play a game, I always think, do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> Right. <laughs> so that doesn't do it for me. But oh, there's just something so final and hopeless. I think it's the hopelessness of that last scene that gets me. Mm -hmm. um, I guess putting myself in one else or in Adam's shoes that just, I don't know. Like he, he knows he's going to die there. Favorite kill? Probably because we don't actually, sorry, we don't actually see Adam die. So I don't count it as a kill necessarily. They do find his dead body later. Later. But in this film, not necessarily. So I would say probably my favorite kill is going to be Zepp's. Because when Adam gets a hold of that toilet tank lid and just fucking gives him everything he's got, that's pretty fucking good. You know what's crazy is that he kills that guy and he had he had no idea who he was. Mm -hmm. Like all he knew is that he busted in there and Adam just went medieval on his ass. Yeah. That's pretty badass. Yeah. It's pretty badass. Yeah. Um, favorite scene is probably that end that ending. That that's my favorite thing. And I said earlier that we would go ahead and talk more about that in depth the reason i love that scene so much is purely based on lee winnell's performance because that moment that he plays the tape he's kind of taking it all in 
But then in his peripheral, he sees that movement in the floor and his head just slowly turns toward the body and his eyes are widening as it's going. And I don't know about any of you, but for me, I felt that in my fucking bones that, oh shit, you know, I just don't, I don't know that it gets any better than that in a film and just... As, as Jigsaw's pulling that piece of latex off of his head and standing up and he's he's like breathing really heavy. He's shaking like he's just fucking petrified. And for me, that reaction is what sells that scene. Yeah, the look of disbelief, mm-hmm. maybe. And I don't know if he's afraid, maybe not terror necessarily, <sighs> foreboding possibly. Like the look on his face is this, whatever's happening right now can't be good. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, that expression, uh, I think that's it. Disbelief is the word that keeps, like he, like what the fuck is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he sells it to Yeah, me. he really, really but does. Unbelievably low standards. So, you know. I don't think you have to have low standards. <laughs> I think that, I think that he turned in a really fantastic performance there i think so too so yeah that is that's my favorite scene nice all right loved and hated <laughs> loved is as many issues as it has because is this a perfect film no it's n- it's not there are plot holes there are just stupid decisions that are made um there are things that are not really feasible that happen purely like just by luck or happenstance that kind of take you out of it just a little that being said for what it is it's still a brilliant story and it's a simple story and that is one of the things that I love most about it again I love the performances I don't give a shit what anybody else says I think those performances are terrific um I just love what it was trying to go for. You know, um, somebody out there will probably say that it is a contrived story. I do not feel that way. Um, At least in my history of watching films, to me, this was the most original thing I had seen at this point. So absolutely love the story 100%. Um, I don't know that there's anything I necessarily hate about it, but... I think for me, the only real issues that I have are pacing because yes, there are, there are times where it will just halt to a stop. And I wish that, uh, there had been a little bit more consistency as far as that goes, but that's really the only problem I have with it. So what about you? Ooh. All right. Where do I even start? (laughs) Um, loved. I like the story. Uh, I don't necessarily think I'd ever seen anything quite like this up until this film. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Felt pretty original to me at the time. And honestly, if I'm thinking about other movies that I've seen, the only thing that I can think of that kind of follows the same plot are the sequels to this movie. You know, I just don't. I don't know. I think it's one of the things I like about it is that it's it's kind of its own thing. I don't I can't think of any other movie I've seen that this movie was just ripping off of this, you know. So I do I do like that. I think I think everything was just done pretty well. I don't um I know people had problems with Elwood's performance in a few places. They had problems with Winnell's performance in a few places. I really don't. Um feel like you get an appropriate amount of suspense there an appropriate amount of dread maybe even mm-hmm. for the your two characters. As far as hated goes, there's nothing that I really hate. 
I agree with you on the pacing, but I think part of that's just the writing. There's some things in there that I really, really wish they had done differently. Like, I don't feel like... There's the, the moment sort of in the middle of the film where they're just doing the Jay and Silent Bob thing and just hanging out in front of the convenience store. And I don't feel like that was necessarily realistic. Where they're just in there talking bullshit and not actively trying to get out. Because mm-hmm. he told them what the time limit was. There's a brand new clock on the wall. They know how long they have. Mm-hmm. I feel like they would have just been working. Mm-hmm. Like, nonstop. Even if it had just been a montage to sort of kill time of them, like, searching the walls or yanking on chains or doing whatever it was they were doing. But something other than them just sitting there fucking off talking about bullshit. I feel like would have been more appropriate. Um, I really wish they had made Zip a more sympathetic character instead of who somebody that should be on uh, was that to catch a predator. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he really wasn't a shitty situation. He got poisoned and he had to do this thing in order to get the antidote. Right. If they had played that off instead of just making him like sort of a sadistic asshole, mm-hmm. I would have been more okay with his character. I really despised his character in right. this. And I feel like the actor that played him pulled it off really well. I just feel like, I don't know if I had to pick a villain in this film, he's the one I'm going to well, pick. Well, the thing is, is that the way he acts between when you first meet his character and later are contradict each other. Yeah, he seems very timid, like meek. Yeah, uh, when you first well, because at the, the beginning, hospital. he's, you know, he's the one adver- advocating for you should get to know your patients. Yeah, he's like, he has a name. Yeah, and he's really an interesting guy. His name is Robert Paulson. (laughs) But yeah, they set him up as, you know, he's empathetic and all that. And then cut to him torturing a little girl. Right. And I just, I don't know. I wish they had stuck with the way you meet him initially mm-hmm. and just make him a victim, mm-hmm. I guess. At least then I would have felt bad for the guy. Yeah. Instead, when Winnell bashes his head in, you're like, good, fucker. You kind of deserve to get that. Right. <laughs> just, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I see that. He was the only, like, he was the only character that at the end, you feel completely justified in, in not liking him. Mm-hmm. Everyone else, you feel like they kind of had a motive maybe for the shit that they did, or you didn't necessarily believe that what they did led should have, or it justified them being where they were Mm -hmm. except for him when El bashes his head in with a toilet tank and you're like yeah you kind of deserve that (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. so that's what sets him apart from everyone else by the end of the film to me he's kind of the only true villain just through his actions in the last 20 minutes and I don't know if that's fair to that character when you compare it to the introduction Mm -hmm. so I would change that, I think. Um, a few plot holes probably would have closed up. Like the thing in the bathtub. You know what I mean? Like if he'd have, if he'd have gone scrambling back and found the key and then he'd slam the door and said game over anyway. Okay, you got me. But just the fact that you see the key go down the drain in the first three minutes of the movie and it's not relevant at all until the very end. And then you're like, well, I guess he's fucked. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't really care for that. But I don't know. Nothing I really hate. I feel I feel pretty good about this film. Okay. So. so, Travis, marry, fuck, or kill Saw? <sighs> probably fuck it. Okay. I could probably do this one. There's going to have to be some, some time in between viewings. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like this is sort of like a yeah, maybe a once a month booty call sort of situation, right? Once a month for you? Yeah, maybe, a, maybe every three months. <laughs> You know what I mean? Not often because yeah. you don't want him to get like clingy and make it weird. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, every now and then. Yeah. When you're drunk and you don't really have anything. <laughs> <else>. <laughs> but uh, I couldn't marry it. Don't want to kill it. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Hey. Like, I've got their number, but they don't have my number. <laughs> <laughs> okay how about you uh so i i told you i was gonna surprise some people here um I, this is my first unicorn what that's not yes. a category i yes it is and i talked about it a couple weeks ago you're just making stuff up no 
I'm not. There is a level above Mary for me. And here's the thing. Hear me out here. It's not one that I'm going to call all the time either. This is one that I may watch once a year, once every two years. It's not one that I watch very often. And again, like I said at the beginning, it's because every time I do decide to watch it, I have the same fucking reaction as I had the first time I ever watched it. And I love that I still do that. I love that I still get chills every time that music swells and Adam turns his head. I love that that is my reaction every single time. I don't want to ever lose that feeling, you know, kind of like the only, I can only think of one other scenario where I had that feeling and I wish I could erase the film from my memory so I could go back and relive it again. And that is the scene in um, Avengers Endgame where <laughs> Captain America hears on your left and the portal start to open up and everybody comes in. If I could, I would erase that from my memory and go back and relive it again just to get that feeling again. See, for me, it's when Tony Stark says, I am Iron Man. So <laughs> that is why I put space between the viewings of Saw is because I get to relive that again every time. Um, and I don't have that very much with other horror films. Now, I have had unicorn level films since we have started this show, but we did not introduce this part of our show until recently. So my other unicorn films are going to be Robocop, <laughs> uh, Predator, Hellraiser, Candyman, The Thing, The Fly. Those are my unicorn films that we have covered so far. And this one I will add to that list. So yeah, there you go. It has its problems. It's not perfect. I have bitches about it. But at the end of the day, regardless of whether or not it is good, people think it's good, whatever, to me, my my own personal self, it's perfect. So there we go. Wow. <laughs> That's high praise coming from you. It is. Sorry. So what are your final thoughts on Saul? Um... I will say, despite everything that I just said, it's not a film that's for everybody. And I, if, if people say they don't like it, I understand why. It is a very nihilistic film. And it doesn't, it's not the fun of going and watching an 80s slasher and just getting that, you know, that safe scare and the hero saves the day or the final girl, you know, triumphs over evil. People are fucking and showing titties and all of that. It's not that fun and it's not, you know, the real, real think pieces that our more recent horror films are. Um, I feel like you have to be in a certain state of mind to enjoy a film like this. And I understand that not everybody wants to be in that position. Um, that being said, it is a film I would suggest to somebody. Absolutely. Well, all right then. I'm sorry. You're, you're just making me feel like I'm, I'm being long-winded at this no, point. No, no, you're not. <laughs> um i agree with you this this is not a film for everybody um i think a lot of people would watch this movie and just say it's boring you know mm -hmm. um you do have to kind of get invested with the characters i feel like you have to be able to kind of relate to them on some level right um or at least be able to put yourself in their shoes sort of kind of get yourself in that headspace because if you don't do that then the movie is it's just boring right it's just two guys sitting in a bathroom with some handcuffs two guys and chilling in a hot tub five feet apart yeah I'm sorry. yeah and when i mean when you think about it like that it's two guys hanging out in the bathroom with some handcuffs like that's a different movie completely <laughs> totally different movie um so yeah i think a lot of people would probably see this as boring so there's a lot of 
psychological components to this because there's not a lot of gore. Um, it's almost like, ooh, I'm fixing to piss people off. It's almost like Psycho because Psycho scared a lot of people, but you didn't really see anything through the whole film, right? Mm-hmm. It was all about character reactions and getting to know those characters and what motivates them. And then they were suddenly in a situation that's kind of scary and dangerous, but you empathize with them. And so you feel scared, you know, and I feel like, yeah, it's kind of in the same league. Now, I understand that a lot of people are going to hard disagree with my opinion on this. Yeah, myself included. (laughs) But uh, I don't know how to say this. I've seen Psycho. Have you? Yeah, pretty sure I have. I don't think you have. Have you seen the Vince Vaughn Psycho? Is that what we're talking about here? uh, Maybe. Yeah, you can't. No. (laughs) I just remember watching it being like, "Eh, yeah, okay. I don't know what the fuss is about. So maybe I need to watch the original again. Yeah, you do. I just, I don't put that one at the same level that some people put it. There's a lot of people out there with some hot takes, so it's it's okay. Good, good. (laughs) Man, because if I get some shit to talk about some other movies. (laughs) I remember, sorry to kind of take it out away from off subject for a minute. I can't get sentences out. I remember my entire life having The Exorcist built up and built up and built up. And let me, before everybody starts freaking out, I love that movie. It's fantastic. I absolutely love The Exorcist. However, when you are growing up with a Hispanic grandmother who claims that your aunt got possessed watching it, it tends to make an impression. She thought it was a documentary. It was absolutely banned in our house. So I had it built up to almost mythologic proportions in my mind. So much so that the first time I watched The Exorcist and it ended, I went, that's it? That that, that was it? Because I don't know what I expected to happen if I was going to get possessed watching it myself or it was going to alter my life somehow. But it was not the beast that my grandmother had built it up to be. <laughs> so I understand how somebody can watch Psycho and go, ah, okay. But from a technological standpoint, it is absolutely fantastic. So okay. you, you may need to give it another chance. All right. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, because if we're getting hot takes, let's talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one, because goddamn. Yes, let's do, because next week, that is the next Easter egg we're handing out. Do I get my, oh, hot takes, <laughs> hot takes. Yes. Hot, 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 hot. So this Easter egg <laughs> is going to go out to another one of our big supporters of the show, and that's going to be Mr. Sid McClenahan, also known as Dr. Wolfula. And yeah, it's a, that's our thank you for being so supportive of our show, giving us shout outs and whatnot. And of course, we'll go into that more next week. Does he, does he listen to the show? I don't think so, but he probably still supports gonna, the show. Probably going to keep the hot take to a minimum. <laughs> He nah, still supports it. the show, and that's good go. enough for me. So <laughs> I'm just going to go. <laughs> so, yes, next week we will be talking the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But until then, I'm Ashley. And I'm Travis. Take care, guys. Bye. What would you do to save the life of a teenage boy? If you subscribe to our Patreon for just 3 to $10 a month, you can get Aiden out of the industrial-sized hamster wheel we use to power our show. <laughs> For that, you'll get access to bonus content and allow me to remove Aiden's handcuffs. He doesn't run worth shit with them on anyway. Also be sure to show your support on our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter as TravisL80 and SpookyMom83. Thank you for your consideration.